You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. It is uh, Tuesday, January 18th. Appreciate you joining us on this Tuesday morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you're listening. I want to talk some TCU football here in the first segment and then uh, some TCU basketball news in segment number two, starting to get some attention on a national level after winning a few games in Big 12 play and a big game against Oklahoma State coming up on Wednesday. We'll start with TCU football, though, and another player hits the transfer portal. And, you know, this news in itself is not really the headline grabber, but it started uh, a thought process for me that I wanted to explore. Uh, Mikel Barkley from Tallahassee, junior, 5'11", 170. Last season had one catch for 48 yards. He was in the Kansas game. Um, he Max Duggan hooked up with him on a long pass play. I think that led to, I'm not sure if they got points out of that drive or not. I feel like Max might have actually ended up throwing a pick on that drive in the end zone. But anyway, it was a big play in the course of that game at the moment. Kind of got the offense at least moving a little bit. But Barkley is in the transfer portal. Um, last season, he had one catch for 48 yards. The year before that, seven catches for 33 yards. So again, like that in itself, not necessarily huge news. Barkley was a guy who had good speed. Um, there was always some hope that maybe he could figure it out and be another one of those speedy slot wide receivers that TCU loves so much. It just never really um, came to pass. I am curious, though. You know, wide receiver is one of those positions that we talked about before the start of last season as, hey, this is a, a big-time position group, potentially. And a lot of that was fueled by, honestly, like Gary Patterson said, that was a super deep, talented crew that he had at wide receiver. And, um, you know, obviously Quentin Johnson coming back, and he showed some flashes that just wasn't as consistent as you would like it to be. Um, Quincy Brown was somebody who had a lot of hype in camp and, you know, again, showed some flashes. Just it seemed like it took him a long time to start kind of to get going. Um, And we didn't see it throughout the whole year. Tay Barber has obviously been – a part of the team for a long time. J.D. Spielman was another player, and he ended up retiring um, midseason because of injury issues, but it felt like that was a guy that might be able to make some things happen uh, from that inside receiver position, and it, it just never really came together. Now, Quentin showed that he can be a monster. Like, he showed that in the Oklahoma game. He showed that in the Baylor game, um, that he could be wide receiver number one, the dude that if it's one-on-one coverage over there, get him the football. Uh, again, it just wasn't week in and week out like you'd like to see from a dominant wideout. But in a Sonny Dykes offense that has been very prolific wherever he's been, um, that has been very efficient in the passing game and has made some really good wideouts, is is this the coaching staff along with Garrett Riley that can sort of unlock the potential there? And, um, you know, I want to see how that works. I want to see what it looks like when those guys get on the field, Quincy Brown is a player that I think has the potential to be really, really good. You know, we saw it towards the end of the year when Quentin was banged up and he was kind of the, the number one guy on the outside. And another player I haven't even mentioned because it was another guy that we were super excited about for the year and his season never really got started with Savion Williams um, from East Texas. And 
That was another player, just big physical guy on the outside. And you thought to yourself, okay, this is a dude, if they can unlock his ability, is going to be a special player. But again, he dealt with the injury bug, had some other things going on. It just never um, came together like you hope it would. So I think from, from an offensive perspective, that's a group to watch, right? Like that's that's a crew that I feel like we've been sort of hyping up for the last few seasons as, hey, they got some dudes there. Like they got a good combination of guys on the inside, guys on the outside, Darius Davis, another name I haven't mentioned yet, but he has shown the ability as, along with, you know, being a special teams guy to make some noise and make some things happen from that inside receiver position. And you just hope that it's not only on jet sweeps and kind of pop plays in the way that they've used them in the past. And I realize, I realize that a lot of that hinges on the quarterback position, which the way the dominoes have kind of fallen now, I feel like it's pretty safe to say these things can change in the spring and summer. But most likely, if they do bring in a quarterback in the transfer portal, it's going to be somebody who is uh, more of a depth guy than someone who's going to come in and have a chance to start right away. I think it's most likely that either Max Duggan or Chandler Morris is the starter going into the season. Um, So, hey, I mean, those guys being more consistent, and Chandler, I mean, we haven't even really seen him other than the, the game and a half that he played. But either Max being more consistent or Chandler kind of coming into his own as taking the reins of that job will be a huge part of this. But also, I mean, there have just been too many. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration. Quentin Johnston is a dude, and I don't want to see another wide receiver come through here with NFL-type talent that just sort of has to slug through three years of you know showing some great things here and there, but ultimately not being the physical dominant wide receiver that we thought he could be. So you potentially have one more year of him, um, but you also have Quincy, Savion Williams, Darius Davis, Tay Barber. Like you have weapons at that position, and I just I think it's time someone figures out what to do with it. And I hope it's Sonny Dykes. And if it doesn't happen this year, maybe it's just as simple as like, these guys just aren't who we thought they were. But there's too many people that agree. Like this is a, this is a crew that could make some noise to just say again, Oh, well, Hey, you know, they just, they can't find a way to make it work. There is, there's too much there to not make something happen. So I'm excited about that wide receiver group. You know, Mikhail Barkley in the portal. Best of luck to him. Not sure where he'll end up, but they, that's a that's a position where they have a lot of depth and a lot of potential, and I'm ready to see um, you know what happens on that front when the season starts. We'll come back, and we'll talk some TCU basketball. That's next on Locked on Horned Frogs. Segment number two of Locked on Horned Frogs, and we'll turn our attention to TCU basketball now. Um, the Frogs getting a little bit of attention on the national scale today. AP Top 25 poll came out. And they're not in the top 25, but they did receive some votes. Only four votes, so not like they're, you know, even really right outside the top 25 poll. But it's a good sign. They're in the mix. Um, there's at least some folks that are kind of noticing, hey, this team's playing pretty well after they started Big 12 play 2-1, and one, getting that victory over Oklahoma. And then Jerry Palm from CBS Sports, who is one of the bracketology experts, um, still really, really early, obviously, 
but he has TCU right now as an 11 seed in uh, his latest bracketology projection. And I know Joe Lenardi had the Frogs as one of the first four teams out. That was before this weekend's game. So I don't know if they jumped up into his uh, field of 68 after getting that victory against Oklahoma or not, but something to watch. Now, hey, it's still really, really early, right? And I also saw today that TCU has the toughest schedule in the country um, the rest of the way. The Big 12 is an absolute meat grinder. I will say this, though. I think a couple of things are true. It's a league with a lot of parity. It's a league where you can get beat every night, um, which is not necessarily fun to think about. At the same time, though, I'm not sure that there is a big dominant team in the league this year. Uh, obviously, Baylor's really good. They've kind of fallen on some hard times. They've lost two in a row. Kansas is really good, but they've proven to be beatable at times this year. You know, Texas seems to still be figuring things out under Chris Beard. Texas Tech was red hot, and then they go on the road and lose to Kansas State. So, yeah, it's a league where you have to worry every night about taking a loss, but I think it's also a league where there's there's not a ton of games on the schedule where you just cross off, oh, yeah, we're probably going to lose that game. Now, going to Iowa State this weekend is pretty tough. Um, you know, on the road at Texas Tech, it's going to be really tough. However, this team seems better equipped than they have been in a few years to take on some of those tests. Now, Wednesday – is, is another big game. And, and like, I don't want to say that every time they play. But you, you have to find a way to keep piling up wins. And even though Oklahoma State went on the road and beat Baylor this weekend, it's a team that's really struggled to score at times. Mike Boynton's a good coach. Um, Avery Anderson, Isaac Likely have been there forever. They're good players. They haven't really completely meshed. Now, maybe they've turned the corner. I mean, maybe this weekend's game against Baylor – was sort of their springboard. Um, but it's a good opportunity again for TCU to get a quality win on the road. They're undefeated in SEC play, and they played sort of the bottom of their league. Um, they've only lost two games on the season, and TCU got them on neutral field. So that is a big deal. Can you steal a game and get to three and one? That would be significant. And after that, on the road to name. So, a tough road trip coming out. I do think, though, in some ways, I have been one pretty surprised at how well they have played. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a COVID pause. Now, part of that is they were able to keep some guys on the floor. Not every single person was in quarantine. So I think there were five players that were able to practice that whole time. So conditioning stayed in better shape. Um, you know, they were able to stay together as a team. And that wasn't the case last year. When they were shut down, they were shut down. So I think that was helpful. But I also feel like the last play of the three games of the Big Ten season, Kansas, West Virginia, Playing well right now. I think there's a good chance. And that three game they could end up on three. But because of the COVID pause and how schedule, they're able to avoid 
sort of that murderer's room for three games. So I had to go play Baylor at home, and unfortunately, I couldn't find a way to close that game out. And then they got Kansas State, and they got Oklahoma. And now, you know, their next three games at Iowa State and Texas at home. It's tough, but it's not No way they can hold their own and find a way to get victory there. So, I like for this team is that. And I said this yesterday. I think the biggest thing for this team is the They still offensively struggle sometimes. And they will be great at a couple of guys that come back through. And I'll also say this. I like Damian Bob. I like the energy of the game. He's been tested a couple times. He's a little rusty in the bottom line where he gets that mistake. But I don't know, you know what the dynamics are with that with those guys. He has some big moments. He has three games there. You know, he has a big block against Oklahoma. And unfortunately, they get up the inbounds. The game went into overtime anyway. But the turnovers have to cut down. Like, the, the point guard boy had to be better at winning. Balls didn't go into the moment. And I realized, you know, especially with like Michael Adams and Charlie Mays going down, that's not a position that they just have to change up. But he has to be more efficient and more control when he has the ball in his hand. Hopefully, that turns his you know, continues to play together and get to know each other. But I, I love the mental toughness. I love the ability to come out big and big moments. You just got to find a way to have better base running throughout the rest of the game. And that'll be a challenge for them. But also they come up on the other side and preview that game more on tomorrow's pod potentially. Or maybe like they come around and say, well, I'm not sure. Anyway, that'll do it for Locked on One Sunday. Got your host. Uh, have a good afternoon, morning, whenever it is your team.